Hello, and thank you for tuning in to this special Fashion Month edition of the Glossy Podcast. I'm Zafir Zviglinska, international fashion reporter of Glossy, and for the past week, my colleagues in New York have been covering New York Fashion Week. Now we're moving on to London, and London Fashion Week has been known for shepherding some designers like Stella McCartney and Alexander McQueen. And today, my guest is Susan Fang, a Chinese designer who has been known for these beautiful, elaborate um, pastel gowns over the last couple of collections. Um, and she's done some really incredible collaborations with the likes of Zara, Nike, and Crocs. So I'm here today to talk to her about her latest collection that is showing this weekend. It's so exciting to talk to you ahead of the show. Oh, me too. I'm very excited. Mm-hmm. You can introduce yourself um, and kind of how many years you've been presenting at London Fashion Week. That would be really useful for us. Um, hi, my name is Susan Feng and I am a fashion designer. Uh, we mainly do women's wear, but we sometimes also do children's wear and unisex wear and a lot of accessories. Uh, we actually started our brand from London, but uh, we also showcased a lot in Shanghai and also I think we've done before in Milan. But now we have officially um, started on the official calendar since last year in September. So soon will be our third season. But I think in total, we've done around 10 shows already. Brilliant. Um, And obviously this episode is going to be going out after your show goes live on Friday. So it'd be lovely to get an insight into, you know, what should fans expect from the show? What are you doing for this collection? Uh, Yeah, Um, we're really excited to kind of open a conversation about, I guess, the really big hype on AI. But um, we're always, um, we're always really, really a big lover for nature and a believer for how as a human and we're very spiritual beings. And then how sometimes if you really believe in something or if you have hope, then it can allow that to happen more. And how sometimes the more invisible things instead of the physical things such as such as air or love or emotion can bring us more than a physical object. So that's why we wanted to open this conversation of when AI, this super, seems like super advanced uh, technology or knowledge more than our human brain comp- uh, capability, um, how we really respect, admire, and also fear that in a way. And But at the same time, I feel, uh, we're imagining, would they desire to have a soul? To, um, and how magical it is as humans we have a soul. So we're just opening this conversation while make, while using a little bit of AI to blend something emotional in our uh, design, uh, in the print only. But we use very nostalgic silhouettes and design to combine that to question, oh, even no matter how technology advances, we kind of still draw the most into emotion and more human connection. Yeah, of course. And I know AI is a big subject. In terms of the print collection, how is that going to appear on the catwalk? Is it something where you've kind of input certain ideas from past collections to create something new using AI? How did that process kind of start? Uh, exactly. Um, we always create, uh, we try to create a fun new print every season. Sometimes we use cut fruits or we use a flower as a paintbrush. Um, but this season, we uh, I thought it would be interesting if I used my mom's uh, paintings of her memory of her. Uh, it's very naive looking because she just um, 
didn't have a teacher. She was just learning. So her drawings are actually quite childlike of her hometown, her memory, when she retired. So everything is very joyful. And it's about her family, um, her parents who are no longer here. And then I end using my boyfriend's childhood drawings, like real childhood drawings. And then I blended them using uh, Mid Journey with our previous season's marble paintings. Uh, but the marble painting was also created by, uh, by hand by us, ourselves. So I wanted to see if they can still... If people can tell, <laughs> I think maybe it's hard to tell. We also curated a bit. We chose ones that were more watercolorful or like more hand drawing like. Um, and then to use, uh, I think we're also experimenting on the way to see like, oh, if we can still keep that human emotion, if people can still feel the warmth. Um, I think a lot of people think our stuff, they can feel it's the craft inside. But I wonder if we blend it a little bit, can they still feel that? And then we... Um, we just use them on, uh, oh, we use them on like uh, upcycled uh, organza, pop, uh, cotton, and tool. And then we made them, we then recreated them like we always make our own textile into the fabric. So it's more like a, sometimes you can't really see the print very clearly. You just see like a shape or depth of color. But some of them you can see the print actually. And then uh, I was just wondering if people can still feel emotionally connected um, in a way, even though the print was AI blended. Mm. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I guess that's the biggest question out there. You know, does does AI have a soul and can humans connect with machines in a new way? <laughs> and, you know, I know that obviously during your last show um, at London Fashion Week, you also launched a kids collection. So is there anything that you're launching this time around that people might be able to look forward to as well? Uh, yeah, uh, we actually are still doing children's wear, but then our our set design, we thought, oh, maybe hard to tie in the kids because we're building like an eight meter size robot set design, but it's all made with kite because we want to romanticize the robot, kind of like imagine, would he dream to have a soul, kind of like the human's previous dream to fly. Um, I guess that set design will be quite, uh, I, ho I hope people can enjoy because it's kind of like seeing kites feels nostalgic in a way. And then um, other than that, I think we also have really interesting uh, accessories along with our clothing. Clothing, we use more like bordery anglais and then mixed. So it seems very nostalgic, like a very warm vibe. But then we added some glitter to uh, represent kind of like the... Um, kind of what is technology? I think technology requires when the electricity started, electricity brings light. So we kind of subtly hinted on that. Um, but accessories, I think, is really cool how we tied in both kind of uh, more techy stuff with very, like, nature-y, emotional things. Um, for example, like, we did these glasses that look like um, 3D-printed sunglasses. Uh, the, the two glasses are two big flowers, or it seemed like a lot of flowers are blooming. There's different designs, and then our 3D-printed bags, we use colors such as uh, the sunset color, where it looks like a bubble and bag merge, or it's kind of like a color of... when If you look at Earth from outer space, <laughs> so it's like the brown with the blue... It's kind of, oh, I think we want to kind of connect with our natural memories of things. Um, not so direct, but then for them to connect to that emotion again. And, but most, most importantly, um, I don't know, I, I really believe in the spiritual side of humans. So I hope this can kind of persuade people a little bit that, oh, it's very beautiful being a human, even though we don't have AI speeding, <laughs> speed in the knowledge process. 
Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, it's, a, it's a tough kind of conversation to battle in, you know, the, the human creativity versus the machine learning, especially right now in the fashion industry. And just to talk a little bit more about your business, obviously, because I know th- that your collections um, and your brand have grown from strength to strength with every season. So, you know, what, you know, what level do you think that you're at right now in terms of the business? Are you looking for, you know, additional investment? What are the sales like right now for the brand? Oh, it's really interesting. I think, um, I think in year three, we, we did reach our third year goal, but now it feels like I think when year three happened was the COVID um, period. So we broke, yeah, we uh, broke even since year uh, year three, and then we got into a lot of our dream stockists in the process, and uh, and I was very thankful to the press support or like um, media recognition. Um, but I feel like it was a lot of learning and experience because we experienced the COVID and then where we had to suddenly change our, so pre-COVID, we had to change our main focus from international back into China because I was stuck in Shanghai and then my family was there and then our production is all handmade, is there. So then we had to focus on all Chinese, China market. But then later on, now after COVID, we want to return to our original more um, international dream. And then now we need to focus back. So actually our main market has totally swapped. It is still growing every year, but I feel like um, not as, I think the recent years is not as much as I expected. I feel like we're growing in sections. So in the third to fifth year, oh, third to fourth, fifth year, we grew a lot in collaborations. And then now is. Uh, still growing in collaboration, but also our wholesale and in, in international. But mainland China has slowed down a lot due to, I think it's the economy, um, especially after the uh, last year's lock-in experience. So I think people's focus on like fashion and really just economic uh, situation uh, has narrowed a lot. So I think that's normal and that's just a very... Uh, interesting experience for us, but at the same time, we we always want to. Uh, I think vision-wise, we've always moved very towards our goal, and then we were also able to do a lot of cool collaborations with um, whether it's uh, Zara, UGG, uh, recently with Nike with a charity project, and then how how I always wanted to be an artist, my dream, and then we're very soon in October going to launch our first art exhibition, which we involved. Um, all the uh, minority indigenous people in rural parts of China to make all the each craft. And then, so I feel like everything we wish to do, we are achieving. And I think business-wise, there is a lot that we need to improve, like whether it's our own direct sale and then whether it's, um, I think, uh, regrowing our China market. But, um, but I think it's because mainly we invested so much on craft and then the product, Production is just so uh, so expensive, and then takes so much time because we. Uh, my mom is also part of our team, and sometimes one dress takes us hand crocheting for two weeks. So we have that, but now we're balancing also um, some more commercial items that we still hope it doesn't feel um, too seen. How something that you can buy from a, a mass market easily because. 
I think they have such a strong production. We can never com uh, compare and they're more uh, following the on-trend, but we hope to always create something new and inspiring for people. So that's something we need to balance with like um, still creating more interesting items for people, um, but also keeping the creativity. But I think we just need a stronger team in merchandising, uh, merchandising, I think, and production. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's a very difficult thing navigating, um, you know, the fashion industry as, you know, as I would say, a slightly younger brand. Um, it can be quite difficult to manage all of these cycles. And you mentioned collaborations, obviously. That's something that you guys have done quite a bit. You know, you've had Nike, you've had Crocs. You know, what is that, the, I guess, the magical formula Um to create an effective collaboration for you guys? Like, how do you choose your partners? Um, what is it that kind of makes it successful for you? That is one thing that we felt really uh, thankful that we always kept our own vision and then keeping the handcraft and then whether it's doing, uh, I think we always try to keep our uniqueness, whether it's doing campaigns always with like, um, whether, it was, whether it's with local Tibetans or people from Mongolia, because we want to show the inner beauty of human energy, like especially um, sometimes it's really not just on the surface. It's sometimes you can feel that mother is very loving and um, she has a lot of warmth and she doesn't have distance between strangers. And I think that was, just by chance in our third year, uh, first aesthetically wise, it was like the very feminine feeling. And then uh, Opal wanted to make this more fantasy phone and then collaborate with us a bag. And then it was Zara who wanted to um, bring more authenticity. Uh, they liked our authenticity and they also felt we have the sustainability side, woman power side, and then uh, and then one more, oh, Chinese culture. It was something that, oh, we didn't realize we were doing actually like very purposely. But then thinking back when they saw our campaigns, always, it was just what, what we're really naturally drawn to. And then, or like uh, my close ties with mom. And then I think, and then it was really like that. It was just almost every collaboration because uh, that's their future plan for the company. And then, and then for us, we, we know our weakness. Like, we don't know so many factories because we rely so much on handwork. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, I always wanted to do, like, a flower bead. So it's really things I, I really wish to make the, um, the best product uh, ever for the two parties. And then, and then I know that they are, they're just so much stronger in marketing and everything. They can reach out to more people in a more accessible price. And I can create this really cool product. And that was a great learning as well. And then I, I always respect like, oh, what is their uh, audience? Because I choose purple or blue for the menswear line uh, for their audience. And then they're, and we also feel the energy. I feel like if they're nice people, that's easier to work with. Um, so I think that really helped the sales a lot. I think they sold out uh, pretty much in the, uh, 90% in the third day. And then for the UGG, it was very similar. They also liked our very fantasy element, how, and then we use like very lucky positive symbols. And then uh, in the same way, and they, uh, and they liked our puffy um, outerwear, so we did that with our uh, with our like oh like uh, like this print I'm wearing, kind of like more spray spray paint effect, feather feather print effect, and then how for Nike it was also because we did a we we invited them to our show last year. They they already contacted us a year ago. They liked our kind of direction for female and sustainability, and then we invited them to our show, which we made a fantasy set of like. 
uh, perfume clouds and rainbows that united to a tree that signified kind of like a uh, unified utopia. We're under the same sky, we're from the same life form. And with all the children, and they felt, oh my gosh, that's exactly what they want to do in their recent Nike uh, basketball court, where it's just all recycled, sustainable, um, using their old shoe soles, Nike Grind, and then having volunteers um, from university, having athlete champions to go to a school in more of the country mountainside and then to bring more confidence and positivity for the young girls who usually they had researched like most girls give up sports because of unconfidence or not a very girl thing which I can really relate to so it's really just a combination of that and then we just wanted to create a dream court that they can be there and they can feel all the love and then use all the nature symbols to simplify um, to bring them just joy and a good a youthful memory so I think it's just we always communicate a lot and then we just try to do our best. And I think that was just case by case. I think they saw, oh, that case was successful and then they want to work again. And it's always a great learning for us. Yeah, of course, I can imagine. I mean, I know that obviously with your own audience, it's probably very different to theirs and having that accessible product um, can be very useful. And you mentioned an art exhibition that's coming in October. Is that something that, you know, has come from conversations with other people? Is that something you've always wanted to do internally? How is fashion and art um, combining here? Oh, I, I, when I was six, I actually wished to be an artist. My mom was like, I think she felt it would be so challenging. So she saw me drawing comic books with all like cute girls in different clothes. And then she was like, oh, why don't you just do fashion design? And then you're a six-year-old. You didn't even he heard of fashion design. So I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Okay, I'll do it. But I'm always like a really not the fashionable girl or the popular girl in high school. I'm always in like, I don't know, old clothes or like clothes like the cheapest one in the market just or I don't know just comfy clothes um I loved art and then because art art really gave me a feeling of safetyness and and kind of this imagination um but I think I always used it in the form of human or experiment experimentation or kind of trying to show concepts between uh me or my friends around me their feelings and then and then we always I kind of I try to filter the art part in our set design where we try to create very dreamy set designs to make the people feel that this imagining world is real. And it was because the museum owner is, is a modern art museum of Shanghai. So the, the owner was coming to our shows for, I think, um, two, three years. And then he, I think a year ago, a year and a half ago, he already really liked our approach because I think no one was kind of designing their, their own set design or really making like, we were making like these, uh, I think it was like 12 meter size hearts um, that creates clouds. Uh, so it's like a heart cloud that vanishes and disappears. Um, and then it's a lot of work because we don't have a big production company. We just kind of do it ourselves. And then, and then he really appreciated that, how he was also seeing a lot of newness and very um, kind of uh, maybe very gen genuineness in that concept. And then so he said, oh, do you, uh, he thinks it's, it'll be good for us. He thinks we have potential to do like fine artwork. And then he felt that maybe, especially seeing a lot of our beads and everything, maybe he thinks something combined with bead or textile or, or something kind of in this direction, but he doesn't want to restrict me. And then he says, if you can 
um, prepare enough, maybe maybe after a year we can do like a exhibition for you of your first artwork launch. And then, uh, oh gosh, I was so excited because I feel like this is really a dream come true. I thought I can't really do this when I retire. <laughs> but then it was really great. And then, but at the same time, I felt oh, there's so many cool artists now, especially with social media and how to make it meaningful for now, right? And then I thought, oh, I need, I would, it would be amazing if I can get more people involved. And I thought, I always want to show, because I get a lot of anxiety when I grow up in different countries. So I also, I always felt very healed, whether it's from my mom, from my friends who gave me a lot of support, or from nature, like just from hiking. Sometimes you just, you just stop your nightmares. And I wanted to, uh, I hope it can bring similar feelings for other people. And then, so I thought, oh, I, I, we, we connected with a small charity group um, in our second year. It was my high school classmate's mom's small charity group. <laughs> and then she connected all the moms together to kind of donate to poverty, um, e-minority people in the mountains in Liangshan. And then I asked them, oh, we did, a, we did something else then. And I asked, oh, do you think I can ask these e-minority moms to make us tiny bubble trees? And I make all these trees into uh, different sculptures. And she's like, oh, that's a great idea. I'm going, to, I'm going to the camp tomorrow, to another place. I know more, uh, we're working with more uh, minority indigenous people's schools now. Uh, we can connect them all. I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. So we got, I think we got like 3,000 trees made. So it's because I know they're, uh, we visited there before. I know their background, which is, um, they're really, really hardworking, but they have huge families. So they have to stay in- indoors. They can't really leave their home to do like a full-time job outside. And then the transportation is not so good. So that's why at that time we did like very small things they can put in their kind of backpack to make anywhere. And so this time we thought, oh, if it's mini, they can also do it whenever they have time while they're managing the whole family. And then they were very, very fast. <laughs> and then, so we collected all these trees and now we're just, um, uh, we then make it into like different sculptures. And then the sculpture, we also want to hint kind of like, uh, sometimes it's this like subconscious, um, uh, this kind of glow and aura that um, is outside of the physical, um, just different concepts to show that um, and then this way we can also, we, yeah, we hope to donate, sorry, <laughs> we hope to donate 10% uh, back to them and then they can have a better income, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. I know that there's a lot of areas um, in China which don't have quite um, as good either support or um, transportation, as you mentioned, and can feel quite remote compared to the other big cities um, in the country. And I know that obviously, you know, Chinese heritage for you is something that is quite important, something, some of those elements you already mentioned that come across in your collections. How are you kind of communicating those now on that international stage? Oh, oh yeah, I think I was always uh, very, very careful on, um, I think, uh, of not using like uh, two Chinese symbols of like dragon or phoenix or something like that because I feel like um, I I think I, I, I learned how to write Chinese or I'm not actually not that good at history because I was moving around but I, I sometimes feel a bit amazed by the, the long history and the philosophy because sometimes if you're so confused by something and then you notice it's already in the words in Chinese words or how it's made. For example, like when I was studying, uh, I don't understand what clothing means, but then in in China, it just means yifu, and yifu is directly translated as a second skin, a a garment for your skin. And then I only learned that when I was looking at an English book on Chinese 
clothing were directly translated, but actually the answer was already in the words. So I felt like, oh, that was really amazing. And then how how even an I Ching is kind of like, uh, I don't know, fish superstitious, but Chinese fortune telling is based on I Ching. And then I Ching is actually, wasn't originally supposed to be superstitious. It's just telling the different elements and then how it's using lines and then how how the earth, how the wind, how everything is different elements. How does it balance to the timing and change? And then how everything changes in nature. And then it just feels... I don't know, it's very healing to hear about that because you feel like you're just, um, as a human, you're never alone. You're really connected to nature, connected to everything around you. And I think we, I'm, I'm really more inspired by, by these bits, which I think is the core of maybe Chinese culture, not really the pop culture, but I feel like this might be more, uh, more meaningful for us in everyday life. And then, and then I think it's more, or, or something that's more like um, energy. I don't know as whether it's like, but I feel like it's something that's, that universally we can all connect, whether it's like mother and daughter relationship or like family and then love. It's not really, maybe not just China. I think China is very family focused, but I think a lot of culture is very family focused. So it's just um, creating this unified um, thing that I think is very precious. Yeah, of course. And the other part is obviously London, because that is where your show has been happening for the last few seasons. You know, what does London bring to fashion for you? Oh, I think it really uh, changed my view totally when I was studying here at Central St. Martins. Like, uh, maybe I didn't look at enough um, magazines when I was in high school, but when I when I came, I was like, oh, it's not just like the, I don't know, Dior Chanel or all the luxury brands. And then there's like Saint Julien, or there's Kei Kamagami, and then there's Isimiyake, and then there were um, just so many cool, or McQueen, and then just, you just, Wow, it's mind-blowing. And then you just feel like, wow, there's so much more to just making a beautiful gown for a red carpet or or just, um, yeah, that was really, I think it was where I got so inspired. And then even the teacher, um, my tutor there, and then the people there, I think it's very um, dynamic. I like, I like being everywhere, actually. But I feel, um, I feel here... It's quite calming, quite peaceful. I think people, it's always raining. You just stay indoors and then you're just thinking or like doing handcrafts. So I think that's the good part about it. But mostly I think people are very, very open to um, diversity, creativity. And then that's really, really great. And then, and also enough um, going in time to, I don't know, be more imaginative. Yeah, of course. And finally, I wanted to ask you, you know, what should we expect next from your brand? Mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> That's such a good question. I think, well, directly next is we will tr- oh, we will do more uh, products that I think, I think we're trying to be more refined now. So like products, we want to have better detail, but also we have some options that are better price point, but at the same time, this season we use 90% um, dead stock fabric from factory. Cause we, I, I noticed it's like as a new designer, if you use fully already sustainable fabric, it's gonna be so expensive for the consumer. It's gonna be hard on the consumer, hard on the brand to sell. So we're just, we're always trying to find ways. And very luckily this time, the factory sold us a lot of luxury textile fabric in a very affordable price. So 
do that. And then also, I think, to build a better inner structure. But I think outer-wise, outer we, we want to do more uh, different areas of collaboration. It's just so fun for us. And then we want to kind of bring more creativity through that. And also, I think we will continue with the... Um, uh, with our art exhibitions and fine arts. And then I think very, very far dream is maybe to do more lifestyle items, whether it's, I don't know, future, future dream, maybe even um, perfume, cosmetic, or interior architecture. But that's a very long way to go. Mm -hmm. yeah. Brilliant. Well, that sounds really exciting. I, I know you've got such a unique... Um, kind of design aesthetic that I'm sure that would lend itself really well to those areas as well. So I think that that would be all of my questions for you. Thank you so much, Susan. It was lovely to have you on the Glossy podcast. Oh no, thank you so much for having me at Glossy. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs>